Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. So a couple of weeks ago, I put the invitation out on social media for people to submit listener questions. Questions about the podcast or grief, or really I just left it open to any topic. My husband Eric and I had a Q&A session last season as well, and people really liked it. So I invited him on again to join me in answering your questions. Let's dive in. Thanks for being willing to do this again. I, I wouldn't want to do it alone. I'm glad we can do it together. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the first question that I have is a good one, um, but we we really won't go into much detail about it here because we, we have a whole episode about it, but I still wanted to address it because we have gotten quite a few new listeners who are new followers to me on social media or who have just discovered this podcast and haven't necessarily gone back to listen to all of the previous episodes. So the question is, can you give a recap of your story? What happened to your son? Yeah, I think that's um, certainly been a theme mm-hmm. of where a ton of our grief is coming from and to make episode, you know, to go back to episode one every time um, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't necessarily work. So for those of you new, I would say, you know, Jackson uh, was our oldest of four. Uh, he was born on my birthday in 1997. Mm-hmm. That wasn't my birthday. That was his. Um, <laughs> he was uh, born in 1997. And, um, you know, at age 16, he was the high school's jazz band drummer. He played in our band that played Sunday uh, you know, mornings. He was in marching band, played the quads. He was a dedicated runner. Uh, he had a great mind that pondered some deep questions and thoughts. Um, and uh, shortly after his uh, birthday, he made a bad choice and he drove too fast and lost control of the car. Um, and Jackson was gone in an instant. There wasn't this warning. Hmm. Um, to our you know knowledge, there there hasn't been any other time in his life that he's been to that part of our town to drive hmm. fast. Um, you know he had a, he had his own walk with the Lord. He and I were close friends. We had just gotten back from St. Louis, where the two of us went uh, on just another one of our one-on-one trips. Um, that we would do a fair amount um, and that I've done with other of our kids. We just got back from St. Louis to hear uh, Brian Reagan uh, comedy show, which was right up both of our alleys for humor, <laughs> right in the vein of, mm. you know, Seinfeld humor with some Chris Farley body humor thrown in, <laughs> uh, you know, and Jackson was gone at the site. There was no saying goodbye to him. There was no emergency room. There was no months wondering how this was going to play out. He was just gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's our son. That's our, that's, that's a, that's a, you know, snapshot of our story mm. in 60 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, the heartbreaking, one of the heartbreaking aspects of this all too, is it's not just our story because yeah, not only did Jackson pass away, but so did two of his good friends and another friend was just severely injured. So it, it was just a horrific tragedy for our entire community and thrust so many people into the depths and darkness of grief. And so, yeah, like we said, we, we you know, do share a lot about this in the first episode called Our Story. Um, but really, we do, we do talk about some aspect of grief in almost every episode of the podcast. So, um, you know, when you have time, if you're able, you can go back and catch different 
um, parts of our story throughout yeah. um, both seasons. Um, we also were interviewed on another podcast, which gets a different perspective because somebody was asking us questions versus yeah. us just sharing. And that's, um, you already mentioned her, Jen Stutzman, but the heart of the bison. So you could also look that up. But um, yeah, we, you know, we, we have shared our story. We want to continue to share our story, but ultimately, you know, the Fighting for Joy podcast, um, we don't want it to just center around our grief and the loss we have endured. We we definitely have learned a lot. We want to help others as they face difficult things. We want to continue to give personal testimony of God's comfort and healing and peace when the earth gives way, as Psalm 46 yeah. says. Um, so yeah, for those of you who don't know, we did start this podcast from tragedy and the death of our 16-year-old son. Um but as you listen, we want to point you to real hope, comfort, and help and healing yeah, well in the said. midst of what you are facing or will face in the future. So if hearing parts of our story helps with that, we will always be willing to share. Yeah. No, I think that's good. And I and I think that even before Jackson died, we had this category of thinking that um, the world is broken and that this is not our home. And there was a certain piece that we weren't totally taken by surprise by this now we never would have guessed it we never would have guessed it was one of our kids we we but we did have this thought that um hard things happen hard things happen and i think that's been a key theme in this you know podcast for you is Mm -hmm. is um if things have not happened that are hard yet that's great thank thank the lord for that Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but this is a broken world and you can't be surprised that you have grief because the surprise of your grief is going to make your grief worse yeah 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 for sure um the next question is is really a good follow-up one and that is what does your grief look like right now and first of all that's a great way to phrase it it's from somebody who has um listened and learned from us kind of helping people to know how to ask a question like that because if you're wondering how somebody is doing it can be pretty overwhelming to to just get asked how are you doing um, to say, how are you doing today? Or as this friend asked, yeah. you know, what does your grief look like right now? Um, it's just more manageable and less daunting. So, so as I mentioned, you know, we're seven years into grief. Um, in some ways it feels like a ton of time has passed. And in other ways we are, you know, we're still early in our journey. And I'm always reminded of that when I, uh, visit with grieving moms who are, you know, 15, 20, even 30 or more years into grief. We we have a lot more to learn and so much more progress to make. And, I, you know, I'm just reminded we will always miss Jackson and, and grieving the loss of a loved one doesn't, you know, quote unquote, get easier over the years. It's just, it's just different. It just changes. Um, so maybe, maybe for this question, let's, let's just each share one thing that's been hard about grief this year um, or that's hard right now and then maybe one thing that's been encouraging do you want to go first or yeah um no I okay think, I, I think you should go first <laughs> okay well you know for me i would say that um some of the harder moments this past year have been brought on just by life changes and transitions so yeah. you know for example moving turner out and away um hmm. to college that that triggered some things for me. And, you know, now there's another huge void in our home. So when, you know, Jackson passed away, then Justine went off to college. Now we have another son gone. Turner is gone. Um, Our family unit here at home um, has changed again. And Turner's room is empty now too. And I'm missing his big presence and I miss cooking for him. And I miss having him at the dinner table and I miss having him 
be a part of our conversations. And, you know, Jackson's death left a huge void in similar ways. And I don't know, you know, they're both our two sons, right? They're both young men. So I don't know, it just brought out some new aspects of grief for me. And I think the word trigger is a good one to describe kind of how I've been feeling. Turner going off to college triggered. Yeah you know, some aspects, um, of grief for me, um, some things in my continued grief over losing Jackson. Um, secondly, like you mentioned, experiencing the death of my mom has definitely added to my grief, of course, as well. I mean, I, I grieve her loss specifically, but another death in the family brings an added tenderness to my continued grief over Jackson. I mean, another funeral, another burial, another void in our family. I mean, this brings up all kinds of memories and feelings and emotions. And we've learned that's very normal and common and can even be called secondary grief. Um, But yeah, I would definitely say that 2020 has brought with it for me a number of things that have caused me to either revisit various aspects of grief or experience new levels of grief, whether they had to do directly with Jackson's death or not. And I'm not sure if it's related. It probably is. But I've also, you know, had some extra fear and worry and anxious thoughts creep in this year as well. So to be honest, this seventh year of grief um, has been tough for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I just I wrote down some things, but I want to, you know, comment on that uh, first, because, you know, I think hearing you say the big presence um that we felt leave the house when Jackson died triggered that time in our lives when Turner, who, mm-hmm. you know, eight, eight, you know, six inches taller, seven inches taller than Jackson ever was. Um, and a big loud presence in our house leave trauma can trigger that same response. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when as a, Typical response would have been, hey, Turner's gone. He's off at college. That's the way it ought to be. Great. Super. Um, But it did. It did take us both back to, oh, man, the house feels like it did during trauma. Yeah. Um, And that that was hard. And we had to kind of coach both of ourselves out of that of, no, 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 this is this is good. This is like Justine going to college and how I felt driving out of Covenant College down in Georgia. And people ask me, was I sad? Did I did I cry? I I certainly did, but I was so excited that we got her. Yeah. She got across this goal line, and she got into the next uh, chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the way it should be. I, you know, she she should be on her own. She should be growing. She should be walking in her faith in ways that um, she's going to be challenged that she wouldn't have been, you know, uh, challenged here. And she's going into life deeper. Mm-hmm. That's good. And there's a normal sadness of the chapter of having her in her room with us and at the dinner table every night is over. Mm-hmm. There's a typical normal sadness with that. And having gone through trauma, we immediately go back to something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we and we go back to uh, something deep. And I, and I, I just, yeah, I, that, that does echo with me on that one. Mm-hmm. What would you add anything to what's been hard for you? I think it's been hard going through Jackson's room. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when mm-hmm. Turner moved out uh, a year or two before Turner moved out and went off to college, his fan broke, and Jackson and Turner got fans at the exact same time for their room on their you know ceilings, 
And so we literally just, I literally just pulled down Jackson's and put it into uh, Turner's room, which means Jackson's room looked even more broken than it probably mm-hmm. was. And it felt more broken like it did feel. Yeah. Um, and so having Turner gone gave us time to kind of sort through. You spent a lot of time in Turner's room throwing stuff out and boxing stuff up. And, Don't tell him. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then we just started to spend more time in Jackson's room uh, really for the first time and going through his stuff and taking his bed down and mm-hmm. putting things in a Goodwill box that didn't mean a lot to either of us, but then finding other things that did and what do we do with those? And now I got to put the ceiling fan back up that's brand new in a room that's broken. And, and mm. so um, that was hard. I mean, seeing hard. 90 plus books of his Hardy Boy series, what am I going to do with that? He... I loved hearing him and seeing him late at night reading in bed with a headlamp on um, and learning to love to think and read and being addicted to reading before he goes to bed. Yeah. What am I supposed to do with his Bible study notes and his notebook that he and I did and, and his helicopter controller that he saved? Um, he saved up so much money for that and was never able to really pair that with his helicopters and hook it up and use it as he has planned and man to see his hobbies and his clothes and his style that I mean even though I don't remember him doing a lot of shopping the clothes that you bought him he would wear and he would put together in a way that was clearly his own style and the way he'd wear his hats and and Mm -hmm. all these things like you know what are we supposed to do with that and that's hard and now all of his you know running gear if Turner didn't use it, now I'm using it and I don't want to throw it away. It's good stuff and yet it's dated, it's faded. I don't want to put it in a box and, uh, you know, there's things to donate to Goodwill and that just doesn't feel right to put it in there. And, no, uh, man, I know. And, and so now I'm out on runs with a lot of his gear and that's hard, but it's also good and that kind of goes into some of the good things that are coming on too, but I'm going to yeah, stop no, with go, that. And no. I want you to go first on that okay. too. Well, yeah, yeah, it has been, that has been a That's brutal aspect of, of this year. I yeah. hate that. It's time and it's brutal. Yeah. It's both. Uh, yeah. Well, definitely have been able to find some encouragement um, this year as well. Yeah. So I'm super grateful for that. Um, I would say, you know, we've definitely seen more laughter return, especially for me. And I did put a whole post up about this on social media, but, um, you know, I, the way that I've been able to laugh and the ease of my laugh the last couple of months, I mean, that's something that I haven't seen since before the accident. So that has been a blessing. Um, just seeing more joy restored, um, right. I feel like we've been able to to handle so, uh, social situations, some particular social situations yeah. that we really struggled to do even a year ago or so. We've been able to do those better. Um, so I don't know. I guess I'm I guess I'm most encouraged by our continual progress. That, like you mentioned with Claire, like so far, you know, we haven't felt stuck. Like, oh, we don't know what the next step is. We have been able to gradually continue to press and move forward Um, sometimes there's a step or two backwards as well but we continue to make progress that's encouraging to me Um, you know we're still able to be hopeful about the future to dream and plan and um, you know find ways to just experience a rich and abundant life not when all of this sadness is gone (laughs) right I mean but in the midst of it so 
I think for me, the encouragement has come from continuing to grieve. We're doing the hard things, the hard work of grief, and we are laughing and hoping and dreaming and continuing to live a full life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's good. I, I think that, um, one of the things that's been helpful and good in grief this past year for me is uh, con- continuing to do these one-on-one or one-on-two and one-on-three trips with our uh, kids. Yeah, um, yeah. And, um, you know, I was able to take Turner and Grace and Justine backpacking this past summer. Um, and we went on a, a couple different trips and that was really special. And I wish that, I wish that Jackson could have been there with us. I wish that he could have soaked in um, the rich conversation and laughter and taking in this kind of beauty in places that we haven't seen. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I, I think that, that has been, that has been helpful. I think it's been helpful when our kids surprise us with things like Justine a couple times this year, um, got me things that she had written and um, for Father's Day, she wrote out in deep narrative <laughs> what it was like and why it was important to her when we snorkeled um, together one, one time. And what was going through her head and the way that she wrote it was so well done. It wasn't just what happened. It was what she felt and why she felt it. And, and um, she did that with her story with um, you know, Jackson, she mm-hmm. handed in a paper that neither of us knew about and her professor was blown a, 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 a you know, away on this, that, you know, that a girl would process this raw mm-hmm. things about her brother that she hasn't articulated to us. Um, and she wanted us to read it and she wanted us to kind of understand and to help um, us think through in the same kind of words that she's using where she's been and what impact that had on her life. And man, that was, that was Mm -hmm. super encouraging to me. And I think I can make that case with all of our kids that they've each done that. And that's just been really, that's just been really helpful in the midst of tears to kind of see some of these things, um, grow and bloom. Mm. No, that's really good. Let's um, let's go to the next question, which is you were you use the word recharge quite a bit. What do you yes. mean by that, and how do you recharge? Well, I think um, I think I'll pull a pastor, you know, Ryan on you, and I'll have you answer it first because I got some good ideas on this one too. Okay. Well, I do say that word a lot, and so people who follow me, um, you know, on social media, or you know, I know we've mentioned it here on the podcast a number of times too, but. We both work hard to incorporate things into our life that recharge us. And, um, you know, it's it's an important question because it's been a big tool in our fight for joy. Um, for me, it is um, incorporating things into my life that help me um, refill my cup, so to speak. Or, um, you know, when I get tired out, when I have uh, poured myself out, how do I then... Um, recharge, uh, recalibrate, get feel restored so that I can go back out and do more of what I love doing. Um, you know, I've had to get creative with this during COVID because some of the ways that I typically recharge and reboot um, center around being alone, especially alone at home. 
Um, I pour a lot of myself out when I'm with people. I love to spend yeah. time with others. I love to ask questions and listen. Right. And I just, the way I'm wired, I carry people's burdens um, heavily. And, you know, I just like to give of my time and my energy and my heart. And I love to serve our family and meet their needs and, and just kind of be available to the people that I love. And And part of the reason that I'm able to do these things is because I do typically spend time recharging by myself. Um, I love being busy in our home. Um, mundane tasks like laundry and cleaning and mowing. I mean, those are recharging and refilling for me. I love to do, you know, listen to a podcast or worship music while I'm doing that or just think and pray. Um, but these last few months with everybody at home, I mean, I lost some of the joy and I definitely lost some of the restorative aspects of my work um, here in the home. So, so yeah, I've had to struggle a bit to figure out some new rhythms <laughs> yeah. and some new ways to recharge. How would you define, you know, what we mean by recharging? Yeah, I think that's great. I think there's a country song that says, I had a ball Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but it sure is over and it sure is Monday, mm. right? And, <laughs> and, and, and I probably botched the lyrics on that too. It's been, it's been a couple of years since we've, <laughs> since we've heard, heard that one. But um, for me, what do I have to do so that I'm almost itching and ready for Monday morning to come? Hmm. Like, so that's how I kind of think of it. Like recharge means what do I got to do to make Monday come faster where I'm going to spend? Hmm. Um, the other way to, to uh, you know say it for me is what do I have to be ready for or to do to be ready to pour out freely hmm. to others from an abundance? Like, yeah, that's a good you way can to give to others where it's a deficit. And there are times in our lives when we need to do that, but recharge in a way to where I feel ready to just overflow and serve and give to others in a different way than when I'm, you know, totally tired out. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. to, to put it in uh, banking terms, there's a difference between spending and saving. Hmm. So there are, there are things just like you said there for some people, it is saving up energy to be with 20 people in a, in a room. For us, that's actually kind of spending. The way that God's wired both of us is that that kind of is a time for us to uh, spend. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we have to figure out ways to deposit back into this account. Um, and for other people, it's, you know, like, like us, it's, um, it's seasons of reading or listening to music and being quiet and drinking lots of coffee and wine and getting to sleep. I mean, I think that's where we're going next, which is how do we do this? But yeah, yeah. that's, that's kind of what it means and how we do it. But it is different for different people in the way that each of us are, you know, wired. It's, um, what can I do? We are built to spend and to invest in others. Um, mm. but what can I do to, to make sure that I'm, I'm kind of doing that from a spot of strength and filled up first. Yeah. And, yeah. And so that's how I would um, say it. That's good. Yeah. And it does take a little bit of time to figure it out. I mean, you have to kind of think through it, maybe ask people who know you well, um, just kind of look back on a couple weeks where you did spend and reinvest and, you know, kind of right. think through all of that. So, you know, like I said, typically it has been for me just 
working hard around the home, um, finding time by myself to think and pray and um, be filled up by good podcasts and and things like that. Um, so I've, I've had to get creative. I think if we talk now about like what recharges us now, I've had to find ways to feel recharged outside of the house. And I think the main one for me is going on a long and I mean, really, really long walk. <laughs> that has really helped me. Yeah. Um, even just going for a drive. Um, I've yeah. integrated some running uh, back into my routine and just, you know, just I think for me, I feel restored when nobody needs me. So yeah. if I can find time to get away and think and pray and not feel like, um, you know, because at the beginning of COVID, you would say that like, well, just go out and do what you need to do, you know, go for a long walk. And I'm like, I can't, everybody's at home and I know that they want me or need me. And some of that is my own, you know, stuff sure. that I've had to work through. But um, yeah, to find ways um, during this unique time in our in our world to, to maybe leave the home um, so that I can come back uh, ready once again to serve and, and pour out. And I'd say that although it's usually the quickest way for me to recharge, um, finding time alone isn't the only way that I do yeah. recharge. I mean, there are a few friends yeah. who fill my cup um, and I walk away from time with them feeling like I can just tackle the world. Definitely. I mean, yesterday I was on an almost two hour FaceTime call with... Yeah two of my really best friends and man, I was flying I high. You were, you were <laughs> um, I was in my office working yeah. away and I could just hear yeah. laughter yeah. loudly coming out yeah. of the other room. And I'm like, well, I think I know what she's doing right now. Yeah. And that did, <laughs> so that didn't tire me out. Yeah. I mean, they are friendships that yeah. restore me and yeah. um, refresh me and revive me. And so time with others can be, you know, recharging for me too. And thankfully, Eric, time with you <laughs> recharges <Shoot>. me. <laughs> As well. I mean, whether it's our coffee time in the morning, like you said, or sitting out by our fire pit at night, just kind of tuning out the rest of the world and listening and sharing with one another is so, so good for my soul. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing I would would add, uh, you know, to that for me is you certainly mentioned running. You certainly mentioned um, certain people can deposit into the savings account for you, like we talked about. And you definitely do that for me too. And I'm thrilled that these other gals do that too with you. Um, you know, fiction books have been a great way for me to do that too, to just exhale and read some really good authors where the story sucks you in. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. Um, so much about real life can be told even better in fiction um, and give you a commentary on things to do and not do when it's done well and done in uh, fiction than what you know uh, real life history can uh, mm-hmm. show sometimes. So I, I'm, I'm uh, definitely the whole list of what you said plus fiction. Yeah, that's good. The next question is, what does your quiet time, devotional time um, look like? Yeah, I would say that um, it it is varied, um, um, and yet it's still um, uh, uh, purposeful. Um, mm. It's it's uh, it's more than five minutes. I, I heard a great quote the other day that the the creator God of this universe is somebody that you're going to go sit with and listen to and read what He's written. Um, and it's going to take an investment of time for more than just five minutes every other day or that, hmm. uh, you know, type of thing. And so I think that, I think that it is purposeful. It's in the morning, it's with you, it's with uh, coffee. Um, uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's time for us to really 
take a look at something like Second Peter 1 says this about time like that. God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So everything that we need for life, God has granted for us through his divine power. But how did we get it? Uh, we get this through the knowledge of him. And what are we supposed to know about him? It, it, he is the God who called us to behold and to soak in and to get his own hmm. glory and excellence. And this, this same power that he places in us, um, he's granted to us, verse four goes on to say, his precious and very great promises. Hmm. Um, why? So that we could know him, we could have a relationship with him. And this isn't some you know mystical thing that just happens where we sit down and God speaks to us. It's it's through the revealed words that have been written down that we don't know mm. and mm -hmm. we're getting to know and we forget because we read them last year and yeah. we yeah. forgot right yeah. um yeah. and so that has been a it's been a very helpful verse to us that we've we've got this power in us um in a way that we have been granted all things that pertain to real life mm. and godliness. And yet this this comes through the knowledge of him and we've got it mm -hmm. through these great and precious promises. Why? So we can walk with him and know him now. Yeah, yeah. And that really that really does shape why we want to pour so much yeah. time into um, yeah. a devotional time. And you know, obviously this looks different when you're in different seasons of life. I. I have the benefit of knowing who submitted these questions, and this one came from a college student. So hmm. for for her, it is going to look different than for us um, in the season of we're, of life that we're in. But you know, for me right now, I do I, you know I incorporate Bible reading and commentaries and journaling and prayer. I mean, all of those things are involved in my personal devotional time. Um, you know, and over the years, I've transformed into a morning person. <laughs> it really started happening in my late twenties and early thirties, and now. You know, I absolutely love and need and thrive in those quiet hours of the early mornings. Um, but I've also found that, you know, kind of in order to keep reorienting my mind throughout the day, I mean, I just can't have an hour of quiet time in the morning and then be done for the day. I mean, we both count scripture memory and prayer and spiritually based podcasts right. all as part of our personal devotional time too, spread all throughout the day. Um so, you know, I think it's good to mention that although quiet, personal, individual time with the Lord is so good and necessary and you need to find a time to do that um, throughout the day, um, it really needs to be something that you need to incorporate all throughout the day to talking to the Lord as you come and go and um, and also spending time with others around yeah. the word of God. I mean, my morning quiet times are enriched by worshiping on Sunday with our church family and um, by getting together with other women or couples. Um, Christian fellowship just it will spur us on, you know, in our personal relationship with the Lord. And, you know, one other thing that I've been doing lately is I've discovered this Holy Bible app. Yeah, I was. I was and hoping you were yeah. Going to and I mean, that. I That's have been loved really neat doing that. And that has been more topical studies. Um, you know, you and I right now are reading through the Bible. So we have a plan and we're in, you know, specific chapters every single morning and kind of working our way through the whole 
of scripture. But these um, these Bible studies have been more topical and um, more devotionally based and with a wide, diverse group of friends. And I've loved it. It's enriched my devotional life um, so much this year. It, it definitely came at the right time with COVID and needing to do more things online versus an in-person Bible study. But um, that has been something, if you don't have the Holy Bible app, um, I would highly recommend doing it. You can just, you can go through a book of the Bible, but you can also, um, you know, find what you are wanting to learn more about and do more of a topical study and then add friends. And, um, yeah. I've had a number of friends that really I've rich for you. talked into joining <laughs> me on this app and I've loved it. So. I know. And they've been short or long and you've had friends kind of come in and out of it yeah, uh, yeah, for any given good. week, which has been great. I also want to, you know, comment on that. Um, this whole, you know, reading plan concept, um, the one we use has been there literally for, I want to say two to 300 years. Hmm. Um, and so I want to, in, you know, encourage folks not to overthink this, like not to necessarily start at page one and go to the end. Like there's, there's some really good reading plans there. Um, and also for us, the Mick Shane reading plan that we're on we don't do it in the course of one year you you certainly can but mm -hmm. we just do it five days a week get caught up on the weekends if we miss a day or in uh, incorporate other writing and other things like you walk through yeah, yeah the the book i would highly recommend is d.a carson's for the uh, love of god um, very simple book amazon has it grab that and then spend two years getting through the, the whole Bible. And this plan and what Carson walks you through um, is really, really rich. And my uh, final word on this is for those people starting out that haven't done this, don't expect to see the grass grow every day or to see heaven and earth move or to see something brand new in scripture you'd ever saw before, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, about, this is about putting your way, putting yourself in the way of the Holy Spirit um, each day and just saying, Lord, um, teach me your ways. Who, who are you like? What do you like? Teach me more of, of you. Teach me the, uh, you know, more of uh, brokenness of me, um, so that I can run to you harder. Um, and, and satisfy me in you in a way that I just can't from the uh, things of the world. And mm -hmm. that, that, that is just a, um, a great way to start our day yeah. and it's been uh, you know super helpful yeah that's good the next question is um, more directed to me specifically and it is one that I get asked quite a bit um, even from my close friends and family who know me really well um, but that is why do you share like you do yeah how are you able to be so open and vulnerable and real um, and I just, I have a ton of things that yeah. I can share on this topic um, because I do feel like I'm pretty intentional here. Um, you know, first of all, I've always been a sharer. I just, I gravitate towards other people who are willing to share. I like to get deep when I'm having conversations. Um, small talk can right. be more challenging right. for me than really, really intimate conversations. <laughs> So part of the reason is I'm just wired this way. I mean, I love deep, meaningful conversations. And um, and I've learned over the years that oftentimes I need to go first to encourage others to share. You know, sharing begets sharing and vulnerability begets vulnerability. And somebody needs to get that sharing started. Right. Um, 
you know, another reason that we both um, believe in is that we believe in the power of stories. Um, We've experienced it firsthand. We can learn a lot from the ways that God is at work in the lives of others. Um, So the more stories we hear, the bigger God is in our in our minds. And so, um, you know, just as I want to hear other people's stories and I feel richer and blessed because of it. Um, I do want to allow God to encourage and help others through our stories and the ways that the hope and peace and joy of the Lord have helped us to persevere through horrible circumstances. Have you thought about why you feel safe to be able to uh, do this? Um, or, I mean, it's it seems to definitely be helping people. You hear back a ton from people, but what <clears throat> what you share is all things that, I've already heard or we've talked through um, and it's raw and it's real and you seem to feel really safe still doing that um, and I I just think it is so great and hmm. so so helpful but have you have you thought through why um, you feel safe or is it just that it feels good to do it and it feels good to help help others um yeah, I guess I've never even thought about that word safe if I feel safe doing it. I, I just can't help it. Yeah. I think that's, I just can't help it. And sometimes it isn't safe. Yeah. Um, no, so, that's good. And I think it's worth the risk for me. So if it isn't received bel- well by everyone or if, um, you know, I come across, I don't explain myself well. Yeah. I mean, it's worth the risk for me. So, yeah, I don't think it is always safe, um, but I do feel like it's worth the risk. I think, you know, I think, too, what's unique with our story is that, um, you know, the boy's accident was very public. It was in the headlines of the papers. It was on the evening news. We had people on our front porch wanting to interview us. I mean, which as a side note, I mean, that continues to be hard on my heart because some of the reports weren't 100% correct. And some of the misreported facts are still out there on the Internet. And that drives me crazy. But anyway, our whole, you know, our whole community and our surrounding communities, everybody was impacted by it. So in many ways sharing about Jackson's death and our grief journey hasn't felt as vulnerable to me as maybe it would feel to somebody else if their story is more private or people don't know Mm. about it. Mm. Um, Then it's kind of like you're bringing something out into the light Mm. versus our situation is already out there. Yeah, and we got Um, nowhere to run. Yeah, there's a a speaker and an author that I've learned a lot from. Her name is Catherine Wolf. And at a very young age, she had a massive stroke and now she's in a wheelchair. And Mm. She said that she's able to share more because everybody sees that she's in the wheelchair, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. sees her disability. Everybody knows she struggles. Everybody knows um, that she, you know, faces hardship and challenges every day. So it's more natural for her to share and let people into what they already see. And, um, you know, but then she mentions that everybody really has a wheelchair of some sort. Um, But the hard thing in most people's lives is their wheelchair, quote unquote, isn't visible to others. Um, And so I think the way she said it is there's a bizarre freedom Mm. element to the wheelchair because nobody is, nobody's pretending that her life is okay and everything is, you know, okay. Mm. And that's complicated because I I do feel that way for us too. Like it comes at a very high price, her wheelchair, her mobility, her physical freedom and movement. I mean, that is a very high price to pay for that bizarre freedom right but for us it's the same thing I mean the loss of our son and a very public multifaceted tragedy that affected a lot of people I mean 
that is at great cost but there is a freedom that's involved in that too because everybody knows about it there's nothing that i need to try to i mean granted there have been new people that have come into our life justine's definitely experienced moving to a different part of the country where people aren't familiar with her story and we do have to kind of choose what we're going to bring to the light but i don't know i think with with our circle of influence you know people just accept sharing and the freedom in sharing more from me than they might from others because of that wheelchair quote unquote not being visible does that make sense yeah yeah no that's that's so well said and i think um i think that's a great way to connect why people um do feel safe sharing things with us (laughs) and do feel comfortable crying with us and do feel like um they can interact with us differently because they see us sitting there in the wheelchair and somehow God has gotten us through this mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and helps us push push forward in um, hope that's, yeah. that's real. So I think that's a I think that's just a great category for that. And I and I think that if we're more if all of us are more honest with ourselves, um, everyone else can see the wheelchair we're in. Mm-hmm. We should just knowledge it um and it would help our relationships oh, right. to go better right right <laughs> yeah and you know back to your question of you know why do i feel safe i mean i think too um when you close yourself off when you don't share when you keep all of your thoughts and your you know for us our grief journey if we would internalize it all and just kind of keep it here within the walls of our home that's lonely and for me safe i lonely you know loneliness isn't safe either right yeah. i mean the more people that you have rallying around you and walking with you the more um secure and comfort um and safety that you feel so you know before we lost jackson i just i had a limited number of people in my life who had experienced the loss of a child so it felt extremely isolating and lonely to be a grieving mother because I didn't have a whole lot of people in my life who were. So opening up for me has expanded, you know, my circle of grieving people. And it's, you know, it's helped others also know better how to walk with us in this journey. I mean, as we've talked about before, most people aren't terribly familiar with the kind of grief we're experiencing. So it helps our particular community and friends know just how to love and support our family and other families and others who are grieving the loss of a child or a loved one. So, you know, as I've shared over the years, it's just, it's become common for other people who are struggling to reach out to tell me that they're grateful for the ways that I can communicate things that, that they maybe can't. And so for some reason I am able to put things into words, whether on Instagram stories or posts that I've written um, that express how other people who are grieving um, are feeling and that it's helpful to them. Yeah. First, not to feel so alone, but then also to be able to say me too in situations that are typically very isolating and lonely. And yeah. sometimes people even tell me that they point others to what I share or to this right. podcast just kind of as a means for their loved ones and friends to better understand what they're going through when they don't have the ability to communicate it themselves. Um, and I hate that I know how to do this and that I have that street cred um, to be a trusted resource in grief. But you know, at the same time, I am grateful to be used in this way as I desperately wanted this at the beginning of our grief journey as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, obviously, um, when you share it, you know, uh, resonates deeply with me. And, um, when I share on Blix blog and other spots too, um, it's so much for the same, 
same you know uh, reasons why um, I think it reminds people that brokenness is often the place where God works where God does his best work is um, where we are you know broken um, Paul writes that um, you know Christ told him my grace is sufficient for you for power is made perfect in weakness and I think the way that I've always wanted to hear that verse or the way that I've heard it or always wanted to hear it is that, um, you know, God telling me my power is sufficient for you for power is made perfect in weakness. Mm -hmm. And it, it isn't the word power. It's the word grace. And so, yes, there is power in grace. Yes, his power is made perfect in weakness. But somehow what is sufficient for me? Christ says my grace is sufficient for you and so some there is something in sharing brokenness that then puts this grace that did satisfy us that is satisfying us that will satisfy us that is where our hope is built hmm. that shows more of the greatness of you know what what this god is mm -hmm. uh, who who he is for us in christ uh, he's He's not there to give us strength when we're weak. Yeah. He, he's not there to just be like, hey, I'm going to do this Jedi mind trick with you and you tell me you're weak and I'm going to give you power. Right? That, that isn't what the verse said. He says, "My when, when, when you are weak, what, what is going to make it sufficient for you is my grace and and I think that's and I and I think that's also why we why we can't help but talk yeah. like this why the why you can't help but post and take take the risk is because um the, you know this is this is real we have tasted of yeah. it we we have eaten of this bread and there's more for others yeah. to eat yeah. and to be deeply satisfied yeah. well and right? even just hearing you explain that I am reminded too that you and I are both teachers at heart so when we learn these truths when we learn something as we've learned about grief when we learn about things that jump out right. at us in scripture like that we want to yeah. help others be prepared and better equipped for when they are going to face something too right. so and really you know sharing we've both experienced this too sharing helps our healing um you know and it's That's hard to explain to it. it but it's almost like the more we talk about it the more progress we make and that is very counterintuitive um i know people yeah. who haven't experienced um especially grief, um, but they can tend to think that somebody talking about the death of somebody years afterwards is unhealthy, or it means that that's, they're stuck in their grief. But the opposite really is what's happening, because as you share, you, you heal. It reveals the progress that you're making. It gives hope to others as they hear about that progress, and they see glimpses into healing and restored joy. Um, you know, and lastly, I would just say, well, it's not the last reason. I have a lot more reasons why I share, <laughs> I but you could do a whole episode the last thing, this. you know, I'll say now is just that I really do feel called to share. I yeah. mean, God has just, he's made it extremely clear to me that, that he has this ministry for me. I mean, I'll always wish it was a different calling and a different ministry. I hate that it's centered around the loss of our son and our subsequent grief journey, but it is, you know, my calling nonetheless. And I just, I can't deny it. So you know, as ex as hard as it is to accept the calling, it does make some some meaning. It does bring some meaning out of this horrible situation. I mean, I'm still not to the point where I believe everything that has happened is worth it now because I have this ministry or this podcast. Right. I mean, not at all. Right. But submitting to this calling, you know, it's helped direct my continued grief 
towards something that's helpful to others. Yeah. And I do want to help others see, you know, the miraculous ways that God has carried yeah. us through this so that they can trust him. And, that's right. you know, he can carry them through the storms that they will face in their own lives. And, you know, God has been so faithful to us and so comforting. He has given us that peace that passes understanding. And yeah. our family has been able to say it is well with our souls, even yeah. when we are facing devastating things. And, I just can't help but share that hope with others. And, you know, our journey has just prepared us to give solid reasons for our hope. And and I think one thing, you know, it's one thing to say these general things. God carries us. Yeah, God right. is faithful. God true. has comforted us. But those are all those are all true. Right. But it's just so much more powerful and encouraging yeah. and helpful and hopeful to others when we can relay specific ways yeah. and examples. And that's what I try to do when I share, especially on Instagram. I, I try yeah. to let other people see into our lives so that they can see the how and not just the what. Yeah. And hopefully that will build their faith and their own trust in the Lord and give them real hope for the future. And just, you know, the whole idea of maybe if they see our family laughing again after great yeah. loss, they will hope for days of laughter ahead in their yeah. own loss as well. And yeah. I guess I just think, and well, I actually have heard from others that this is happening, that as we share about God's faithfulness in the hard things, others dare to trust him too. Right. And yeah, that, well you know, said. they they feel his healing power and comfort too. And, you know, I was talking through some of these things with my friends yesterday and they reminded that, you know, what we are doing is living out Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. You mm. know, as God comforts us, that enables us then to comfort others with the same comfort that we have received from the Lord. Yeah. So we both can and want to minister to others because God has ministered to and comforted and helped us. Yeah, there is a God who is there and he is not silent, right? And yeah. he has spoken he has spoken hope over us and peace and we get to know him through the ways that he's built and um he has opened up a way through his son that we would that we would be able to 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 have a relationship with him and he is not silent and that is where the hope uh, that is where the hope is coming from mm-hmm. yeah and i know we both believe that our culture including the church needs to have more conversations about death and grief yeah. and lament so yeah. i do also see that our openness and realness has yeah. helped to start some of these conversations especially in in our community yeah yeah um, my friend sandy asked if we have any good book recommendations right now Oh man, I just uh, talked about D.A. Carson for the love of God. Mm -hmm. I've already mentioned Nancy Guthrie, hearing Jesus speak into your uh, sorrow. Um, I am reading Bloodlines by uh, Piper um, on racial reconciliation. It's really the first white person in a, a while that I've read from on this, um, which has been been really helpful. Um, and I, I did read. Uh, out loud to my girls backpacking this summer, the final scene in the Hunger Games, uh, part <laughs> part three. And so mm -hmm. when the uh, prequel to the Hunger Games came out, we are reading that and I finished it. And uh, uh, yeah, those are just a couple of the, those are just a couple of the really no, that's good. fun books uh, yeah. that I'm reading. We have been trying to be extremely intentional in reading anything we can get our hands on uh, regarding racial injustice. And so you know, my encouragement to to everybody listening is just read something. Um, continue yeah. to to just um, 
read uh, a wide variety of books on this topic if you want to learn more about the history, um, if you want to learn more about what we can do now to kind of um, fight for justice, if you want to learn more about um, segregation within the church. I mean, there's just books um, on all the various topics. So that's definitely a a strong recommendation from us both right now. I am in the middle of reading Boundaries. Um, it's written mm, yeah. by Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend, and I, I almost positive I read it in college as part of my <laughs> classwork. Yeah. But now there's a revised version, and I'm reading through it with a friend, and we call each other every week and talk through what we're reading and what our notes are on that particular chapter. And um, that has been extremely rich and um, helpful um, for me. And um, I mentioned Catherine Wolf, the gal in the wheelchair. Their book is called um, Hope Heals. And that was an extremely helpful book for me when I read it. They have a new one. Um, I don't know if it's released yet or if it's coming up, but it's called Suffer Strong. And um, the little tagline is How to Survive Anything by Redefining Everything. And I would recommend um, both of those too. I'm also reading um, Adore. It's a small little book by Sarah Haggerty and talking mm. just about the different characteristics of God. And that's a book that I've been incorporating into my uh, devotional time in the morning as well. Well, we've always got a lot of books going on around yeah. here at the Black, Black House. Yeah, we love it. Yeah. Okay, last question. Um, what is something that you are loving or really enjoying right now? Well, uh, I am enjoying being a guest on your podcast. <laughs> right now, literally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm enjoying the Shutterfly app. If you don't have the Shutterfly app, you got to download it. We're not getting sponsored by them. Um, I, I've done a couple of just eight inch by eight inch coffee table books. I did one for Turner going off to college. Uh, it, in, it inspired me to take um, other memory verses that I've done with the kids over the years um, and to just start printing out some of those in a kind of a, a black and white book. So that's been, mm-hmm. that's been, uh, been really totally neat. fun. I've been loving my bike. Uh, I love the fact that I got my first flat tire on my bike <laughs> yesterday and how, how excited I was to be like, hey, I've got my spare tire here. I've got my... Com- uh, compressed canister of air. Uh, and then I proceeded to pop that spare tire too. And then I didn't have my phone. I had to call you to rescue me for, cause I was miles away from home. So I'm definitely loving, I'm definitely loving the bike and being out on that, even with my flat tire. Um, those are just, <laughs> those are just a couple of random, yeah. couple of random things I'm liking right now. Yeah. Well, f- number one for me is fall. I've always loved yeah. the fall. So the sights and the sounds and the smells and um, I've loved kind of cozying up our house um, this last week or so with some fall elements. Um, my friend Heidi got me started on some essential oils, so I haven't totally given up on all of the awesome smelling pumpkin spice candles, but I'm trying to burn them less and find uh, creative essential oil fall blends to diffuse every day. I love that. <laughs> um, I already mentioned the Holy uh, Bible app, so add me as a yep. friend if you get on that. And then I would say lastly, we uh, made a fun purchase during this time of COVID and we bought two kayaks. And oh man, that has been a fun thing for the two of us to do together to get out on an early morning, get out been. to my uh, the lake that my parents have a house on and bring a pot of coffee and um, take pictures of the beauty around us, get in some exercise um, and just enjoy the early morning hours together. That's been something I've definitely been loving. Yeah, definitely. I've also been loving just slowing down with Pastor Ryan, Pastor Jim and studying 
phrase by phrase through Peter's book. Mm-hmm. So it's been so good. Peter's first book in the Bible, um, the first Peter. We just we're just taking time, literally phrase by phrase on that, and they're in no rush. And um, yeah, it's been it's been fun just to kind of create a, a doc and uh, put down some thoughts and look at every single uh, sentence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's been fun. Good. Yeah. Well, thanks for being my guest on the podcast again today, and um, we covered a lot. We did go, we did go all over the place, including flat tires. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being here and doing this with me. Well, thank you for listening. And as I wrap up today, I just want to remind you that I am now partnering with Faithful Counseling to help bring you quality online Christian counseling to use at your convenience. Use my code at faithfulcounseling.com slash fightingforjoy to find out more and receive 10% off of your counseling sessions. Quality counseling is a worthy investment, such a powerful tool in the fight for joy in the midst of this broken world. It has certainly helped me and I pray that it may provide the same help and hope to some of you keep fighting for joy friends thank you so much for listening today if you were helped or encouraged by this episode please share it with others i would also love for you to find me on social media you can connect with me and others who are listening on my fighting for joy podcast page on either facebook or instagram you can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.